Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Roger Simpson from the Kotkin and Collins Law Firm in Los Angeles, California. Roger is a shareholder with the firm. His principal area of practice is insurance coverage for environmental liability. He has worked extensively on the Stringfellow insurance litigation case, which dates back to 1993. Recently, both the California Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court were involved in decisions regarding this matter, including a landmark ruling by the California Court of Appeals earlier this year. Brandon Noonan will lead off today with our first question. Uh, Roger, give us some background history on this case and the significance of the California Court of Appeal ruling. Certainly. This case dates back to the early 1950s when the state helped establish a Class I hazardous waste site in Riverside County, California. A Class I site is uh, one which can accept the most hazardous of chemicals. At the time, the state believed the site would be impermeable and would retain the liquids, but it later turned out that there were a number of problems at the site which, from very early on, allowed contaminants to escape beneath the site, both through the underlying soil and the groundwater. Although the site was closed in the 1970s, once the contamination was discovered, the soil by that time was so heavily polluted by the more than 30 million gallons of hazardous waste that had been dumped there. As a result, the contaminants have continued to migrate from the site through the groundwater over the years. Unfortunately, given the amount of soil that involved, there's no easy way to clean up the contamination other than to pump out the groundwater and then treat it until the contamination diminishes back to its background levels. However, that's uh, currently expected to take about 400 years for that to occur. A lawsuit was later filed against the state, and in 1998, a federal court held the state liable for the environmental contamination. The cleanup costs are expected to be more than $500 million in present-day value. Meanwhile, the state had purchased liability coverage from a variety of insurers over a 15-year period. We filed our own lawsuit seeking a determination that the insurers were liable to indemnify the state for the state's liability. Now, during that lawsuit, an issue arose regarding how much coverage the state could get from its liability insurers. We contended that because the environmental damage had occurred over many years, the state was entitled to coverage from each liability insurer that sold insurance to the state during that period up to each insurer's full policy limit. In other words, the state was arguing that it was able to combine or stack the insurance coverage that it had purchased over the various years. In contrast, what the insurers argued was that the state could not stack its policies in this manner, but instead was limited to recovering the amount of limits it purchased in only a single policy period. The insurers had relied upon a California appellate court case called FMC versus Plasted, which directly supported their position. Based on that FMC case, the trial court ruled in the insurer's favor on the stacking issue. The state then appealed, and during earlier this year, the appellate court reversed the trial court and held in the state's favor. The court first observed that in resolving insurance coverage issues, the primary focus must be on the policy language. The court noted that in each, in each of the policies, the insurer had individually promised that should the state be held liable for damage during that insurer's policy period, then the insurer would protect the state up to its own policy limit. Because damage had occurred in all of the policy periods, each insurer had to honor its own promise. The court also specifically rejected the insurer's argument that because 
all of the damage resulted from a single cause or a single occurrence, as it's known in insurance industry. The insurers argued that the state could only recover the per-occurrence limit for a single policy period. The court noted that each of the insurers had agreed to pay its own limit for that one occurrence. The state had paid multiple premiums for the various policies. Multiple policies agreed to cover its liability, so the policies, the state was entitled to the multiple limits. The court found that the plain language of the policy supported stacking and that there certainly was no provision in the policies, in any of the policies, that precluded stacking. And finally, also, if the court found that if the policy was was ambiguous, under California law, any ambiguity would have to be resolved in favor of providing the promised coverage. Now, in ruling in the state's favor, the court also noted that in every other circumstance, California courts have repeatedly held that if an insured's liability is covered by multiple policies, the insurers must cover him up to their combined limits. The court found no basis in the policy for applying a different rule simply because in this case, the multiple policies happened to be issued in different policy periods rather than having multiple policies apply in one policy period. The court also strongly disagreed with the FMC decision, which both the insurers and the trial court had relied upon to preclude stacking. The appellate court found that FMC's analysis was flawed and unconvincing and found that its ruling was outside the mainstream of California law. Now, the court gave several reasons for its rejection of FMC. First of all, FMC entirely failed to consider the policy language deciding whether or not stacking was permitted, even though the first rule in California for determining coverage is to look at the policy language. Secondly, FMC failed to properly consider prior California case law, which have allowed insureds to stack policies in a variety of situations, including one case that had held that an insured can stack policies where they are issued in multiple policy periods. Third, our court disagreed with the FMC's court's conclusion that stacking would somehow give the insured much more coverage than it bargained for. Now, this is a frequent argument that insurers make and that courts that have ruled against stacking have used. Our court held that because the state paid a premium for each policy and each policy agreed to cover the state's liability up to its own limit, that stacking of limits was exactly what the state had bargained for. Finally, the Court of Appeal took particular exception to the FMC's court's holding that when a policy does not contain any clause precluding stacking, the court can interpose and judicially intervene to prohibit the insured from stacking its policy limits. Our Court of Appeal observed that judicial intervention is directly contrary to several California Supreme Court cases which hold the courts cannot modify a policy language for any purpose. Now, this decision is highly significant in California. Prior to this time, the law on stacking was, in long-term damage cases was fairly murky, with one case for it, one case against it, and with neither case having spent much time or thought in analyzing the issue. In contrast, the Court of Appeals decision was extremely thorough. Its analysis of that one issue amounted to about 15 pages of its decision. As a result, the case provides an excellent roadmap for any policyholder's attorney that wants to argue in favor of stacking. Also, the case has now been accepted for review by the California Supreme Court, so we'll ultimately be getting a Supreme Court decision out of it. Were you surprised at all by this decision? Actually, I was not surprised. I had been following stacking case law across the country for something like 25 years and was quite aware of the types of arguments that insurers raised to try to prevent stacking and the various flaws in those arguments. In the briefing process, uh, we filed two briefs with the Court of Appeal, 
And we spent nearly 100 pages discussing that one issue, exploring it from very every possible angle. As a result, I felt we had an excellent chance of prevailing on the, that issue. Having said that, I was extremely grateful that the court gave the issue the in-depth attention that it did. I think I would be hard-pressed to name any other case across the country that spent as much time on that one issue as did our Court of Appeal. Now, Roger, ultimately, how do you see this decision impacting the insurance industry? Well, in answering that, we have to keep one important point in mind. Once the California Supreme Court granted review, the Court of Appeals decision was automatically depublished. Now, what that means is that a California attorney presently cannot cite the Court of Appeals decision as authority when they file a brief on the stacking issue. Having said that, the decision will likely affect insurers indirectly in a couple of ways. First, because the Court of Appeals decision was so clear and thorough, it will make it very easy for policyholder attorneys to draft briefs in favor of stacking using the various very arguments and the very citations which the Court of Appeal laid out in its decision. The decision will also impact insurers in a second way. For many years now, insurers have been playing hardball here in California during settlement discussions with their insureds in long-term damage cases. They would argue that under FMC, an insured can only recover the limits of a single policy period, even though damage occurred over many policy periods. The insurers would then split that one policy period limit between them. So giving you an example, suppose that you have 10 years of coverage that applies to the case with each insurer agreeing to provide a million dollars of coverage. The insurers during the settlement negotiations would argue that they only have to pay 10 cents on the dollar because they're 10 insurers, and then they get to split the losses between themselves. Now, that negotiating position is going to be an awful lot weaker given our Court of Appeals decision. As a result, insurers are likely going to wind up getting a much smaller discount during settlement discussions based upon the stacking issue. Now, of course, that situation will change for either for the better or for the worse once the California Supreme Court issues its own decision on the stacking issue. Now, what are your thoughts on how the California Supreme Court will eventually rule on this, and what do you see the time frame for that occurring in? Well, actually, I'm, I'm highly confident that the Supreme Court will rule in our favor. I'd be very surprised if it does not. We are currently in the briefing process now. That won't be uh, completed most likely until sometime this summer. And then once the briefing process is completed, it generally takes about a year to 15 months or thereabouts before the Supreme Court will have actually heard the matter and then issued its decision. So I would roughly expect the uh, decision to come out either late in 2010 or sometime in early 2011. Okay, uh, Roger, can this decision ultimately impact other states? It could very well do so. There are basically two categories of states. First, some state Supreme Courts have already decided either for or against the stacking of policies in multiple policy periods. In those states, our California Court of Appeals decision, or even the California Supreme Court's decision, once it comes out, likely won't have much of an effect because the law will have already been established in those states. However, in most states across the country, the state Supreme Court has not yet ruled on the issue, and in many of those states there hasn't even been a ruling from a Court of Appeal. In either of those instances, our California Court of Appeal decision could carry significant weight, both due to the quality of the decision and because California courts are fairly well regarded across the country. Of course, the ultimate decision from our Supreme Court, which will focus a microscope on this issue because it's only one of two issues that are going to be examined, will undoubtedly have much greater weight. Now, ultimately, can the ruling on the environmental law issues impact other lines of insurance litigation? 
Yes, although this case involved an environmental issue, the stacking issue is by no means limited to that situation. The stacking issue arises, or can arise at least, in any situation where an insured is being held liable for an indivisible injury or damage, which occurs over multiple years and implies multiple policy periods. For example, it might apply any time someone suffers an injury due to a long-term exposure to asbestos or harmful chemicals or manufactured drugs. In the property damage context, it could also apply in any long-term damage situation, such as gradual damage due to construction defects, defective products, or gradual slope failure and many other situations. Okay, great, Roger. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. That was Roger Simpson, shareholder from the law firm of Cockney & Collins in Los Angeles, California. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. And if you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about BEST's directory of recommended insurance attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 